Okay, now for our second message. It'll be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson, entitled, What is the Present Truth? Hello, everyone. What is the present truth? Today, I want to look at some past and present truth and look at the effects of present truth and even past truth and then having a right attitude toward revealed truth and finally what do we do to find the truth when Jesus was sent before a Pilate by the Jewish high priest in John chapter 18 Pilate then went out unto them and said what accusation do you bring against this man and they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, for we would not have delivered him up unto you. He's a criminal, they said to him. They said to Pilate, He's a criminal. Or else we would not have delivered him to you. In verse 31, Then said Pilate unto them, Take you him and judge uh, him according to your law. So you take him, and with my permission, judge him according to your law. But the Jews therefore said unto him, well, it's not lawful for us to uh, put any man to death. So they had intentions of crucifying Jesus, of seeing him put to death. And so they said to Pilate, well, we just have no right to execute him. So by having this Roman crucifixion that they were looking for, these Jewish religious leaders, they could show the people that Jesus was not who he said he is, that the claims that he made about being the son of God and that all the teachings that he had uh, and that they had a right to reject those claims. And they would feel vindicated about their, about their belief that Jesus just wasn't who he said he was. Back in Deuteronomy chapter tw uh, 21, oh, verse 32 uh, of chapter 18, uh, let me read that first. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he should die. And in Deuteronomy 21, verse 22, and it says, And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but you shall in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that your land be not defiled, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. So the scripture is saying there that you must not leave him hanging on the tree overnight, but be sure to bury him that very day. For he, uh, for, because anyone who is hung on a tree is under God's curse. So to them, that would be vindication for them that uh, Jesus was indeed a criminal, that he was being crucified, not only you know, according to their intention, but also by the Roman authorities. So... This was the kind of death that the Jews wanted to see Jesus put to death at. Uh, but they really did not know that that death meant their forgiveness. That it meant that their sins would be wiped away. And so uh, Jesus had put uh, God's curse on himself for all of mankind's sake. But in their eyes and before the, the many people, they would, uh, they would see 
Jesus as just a common uh, criminal hung with two others who were uh, robbers, thieves. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and he called Jesus, and he said unto him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, Say you this thing of yourself, or did others tell it you of me? Is this your thinking, or, or did someone else tell you this? And Pilate answered and said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you un, unto me. What have you done? It was your people, Pilate said. It was your people, your chief priests, who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? And Jesus answered, saying, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And Pilate therefore said unto him, You are a king then. Jesus answered, You sayest that I am a king. You said correctly, I am a king. To this end was I born, said Jesus to Pilate, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So Pilate was probably a little confused about what he was hearing Jesus saying. He was born to be a king, but, it, but without land or, or an army to fight for him, and that his kingdom was not of this earth. So Pilate said unto him those famous words, what is truth? And so when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. But they chanted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And they wanted Barabbas instead. The other day I happened upon the scene uh, as I was watching uh, television. I was just, you know, flipping around. And I, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger was on this one. And so I stopped for some reason, he has a, an appeal to me. But anyway, I didn't watch the entire movie, but uh, there was, it, the movie was called The Running Man. Some of you may have seen it. I don't know if I've ever seen it before. I didn't uh, tune in to stay with it. But there was a line that uh, Schwarzenegger said. He said, uh, and this was, he, he was responding to another actor there, another uh, uh, antagonist, I guess, who was commenting on, on some news propaganda. And... Schwarzenegger, or whatever his name was uh, in, in the movie, he said, you know, the truth hasn't been very popular today. And that was interesting in the light of the way the world is today. Because it is Satan who deceives the whole world. One side has a view of the truth. The other side has its view of what the truth is. But the real truth, and nothing but the truth, is some, lost somewhere in the middle because of the deceiver that is in the world. So just what is this present truth, truth and what is, you know, past truth? Now, some might say, you know, observe that what is truth today was not truth in times past and may not be so in the future. For our present concern, it is the present truth that we are, uh, that's most important to us. We look to the past and apply it to the present, and we can apply it to the future. So truth in whatever situation, whatever time it was presented, 
is, is very important to how we think and to what guides our lives. In the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious uh, faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So this faith that we have is termed precious. It's a precious faith, and it's precious enough that you want to hold on to it. You want to keep it. You want to have it in your possession, and you want to use it whenever, you, uh, whenever it is needed. So these to whom Peter was writing, they were those who had received the same precious truth that they had received, the same precious faith that they, that, uh, they had. And verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So we see that we have this divine power that's been given to us through faith, through the righteousness of God and through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ that pertain unto life, that pertain unto living and to living it in the right way, that we have this uh, precious faith and this knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4, whereby, whereby are given unto us great and exceeding uh, uh, precious promises, exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So all of these verses, they aim us toward being partakers of the divine nature of God and of Jesus Christ, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, by giving all diligence, you know, that's care and that's conscientiousness, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. So we in this present time are in the same faith as that, that which was given the apostles who have lived before us and who live godly lives according to the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. We have that same faith. We have that same power to live life in the right way. In verse 6, and to knowledge temperance. Temperance just means restraint. It means self-control. And to temperance, patience. We know that patience means uh, endurance. And to patience, godliness. Because sometimes when you're having to have patience and things aren't working out, you begin to have a little bit of ungodliness, impatience, and maybe a little bit of uh, a testy attitude. Verse 7, and to godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity. So uh, that when you're kind to your brother and when you're kind, uh, exercise those kindnesses, then it helps you in your patience. It helps you in why uh, these virtues are important to add to faith. So we are to give all diligence to add to our faith in God and Jesus our Lord. And so we're to add virtue. You know, this is a list. Virtue, these high moral standards, knowledge, not our own righteousness, but that of God and Jesus Christ, temperance, again, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. So if you had those written down on a list, 
and you had a little blank space beside it, and you could, you know, just look at those and check, check mark those. Do I have brotherly kindness? Do I have charity? Do I have temperance? Or, or do I lose self-restraint or self-control over, over some things? These are the things that we are told to add to our faith. For if these things, verse 8, and this is a truth, a present truth to us. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see a personal responsibility to do these things. So that we, so as to take, you know, every effort to add, but not to subtract from the faith that we are given to start out with. Verse 9, but he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off. We're so involved with the present that we forget that the things that we do now has future consequences. And if we're blind to that, then uh, we've forgotten that we were purged from uh, these sins that have taken away these virtues and these, the faith, the patience, and all these things that we are supposed to be adding to. We forget about those things, not knowing that, you know, having patience is going to have a future effect if we don't enlarge upon it now or abound in it now. So we have a calling. Verse 10, Wherefore the rather brethren, therefore my brothers, be all the more eager, as, as one translation gives it, Give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail or never fall. So we have a calling. And we, we are like uh, candidates with hopes and winning in the coming election. If we do those things listed in these verses that we have read. For... Uh, if we do those things listed in these verses, growth in those things is proof that Jesus, that his presence in our life is our support, that he is in favor of us, and that we are working toward that kingdom that is to come. For so an entrance, in verse 11, shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent, said Paul. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Read throughout Peter and some of the other uh, epistles. You, you see that there were dis destructive heresies going on in the early church. There was denial of basic doctrines by false teachers. There were things that were not in line with God's truth and out of those things there grew debate and, and contention with only the truth that could uh, set one free. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 1 as it says there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, 
and their damnation slumbers not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of conduct or conversation of the wicked. So we ask ourselves, well, how then can we be established in the truth? There are some truths that are only applicable to a, a particular generation. As an example, like the flood in, in Noah's time. The present truth then was that there was going to come a worldwide flood and there were many there that saw Noah and perhaps helped him out on building that ark and wondered about it. And, you know, the present truth then for them was that, you know, Noah's expecting a flood. But they didn't really act upon what they were seeing or what they were hearing. For Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Genesis chapter 6, we see God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth at that time. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So God was grieved in pretty much the same way that one may grieve over the evil that we see in the world. The bad things that are happening in the world, the violence that we see in the world. Uh, but here man was just choosing to continue in disobedience and lawlessness and violence. But they were free moral agents. That was what God gave them. You're free to choose. You do what you want. But there is a way that uh, leads to life. And there is a way that leads to death. And the Lord said. I will destroy man. Whom I have created from the face of the earth. Both man and beast. And the creeping thing. And the fowls of the air. For it repents me. That I have made made them. Fortunately for us today, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. And that's, you know, that was the way Enoch walked. He walked with God, he walked in faith, and that is what we do. We walk with God, we walk in faith, we walk according to the present truth. Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So he told Noah, Make you an ark of gopher wood, so on. So this was a saving present truth to the generation of Noah. But it would become a past truth to us today as, we, as we'll see. So when God reveals something in his word, then we are to give due diligence to it. We are to heed what it says. And what is the thing 
that we share with the apostles and the people of God who lived before us. It's, it's faith. It's that same faith the, in, in the ever-present truth of God. Now we know that for sure, as God promised, that there will not come an, another flood. But the ever-present truth to us is that at some future time, there will be a worldwide fire. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Or verse 3. Know this first. That there shall come in the last days scoffers. Walking after their own lust. They're going to be scoffing at. You know the, the faith that we have. The Christian beliefs that we have. The truth that we have. That is proclaimed throughout the Bible for us. Because you know when Noah was preaching the present truth to his time. There were these kind of people. And that would be the present truth you know for us today same way some believe some thought uh, kind of believe but they just didn't let it change their minds or their hearts to repent of all the corrupt things that they were doing and saying where is the promise of his coming have you ever heard someone maybe in somebody near you or somebody in your life they say well where is the promise of his coming When's he going to come back? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So it's really easy to get wrapped up in the way of the world and forget to be diligent toward, the, toward those things that make for life that we read about and have read about there in chapter 1. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant. They don't want to know. They don't want to hear anything about the truth. That by the word of God, for example, that the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. They deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into existence and the earth was formed out of the water and by water and that these same waters would be the flood that killed them that in which they perished and were destroyed verse 7 but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. But is long suffering to usward. Not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. You know what we know that the eternal was long suffering in the days of Noah. Toward those who were uh, corrupting themselves who were violent and who seemed unrepentant. But he was long-suffering for them. And he said that his spirit would not always strive with man because he's, he's flesh. And they were acting out uh, their carnality in corrupt ways. So all living flesh was condemned to destruction. But we ask ourselves, you know, it says that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last days. But who is really paying attention today? You can look around the room and you can see that 
there are those who are paying attention to the world, to the work of God today, to the way the world is being, and that we don't want to be a part of it. So those who were like Noah were faithful in the present truth of that time, just like the present truth we have before us now. We see that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. You know, when there is a fire, it has that roaring sound. And this is going to be a very, very great uh, roar when this earth is consumed. But that is at the end of time when uh, there are spirit beings who will live through that uh, fire. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, and you know, that is a, uh, a coming truth, that is a future truth. Seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct or conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. Account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Because sometimes we put off doing good, we put off repenting, we put off changing our lives, we put off diligence to those virtues, thinking, yeah, we've got some time. But the long-suffering of our Lord is what's giving us that chance to qualify for that time that is to come and to be in his kingdom. Then we come down to Jonah's time. You know, you know the story about Jonah, how uh, God gave him a, a commission to go warn the Ninevites that God was going to destroy their city, the people, everything in it. And Jonah, of course, uh, didn't want to do that, took a boat somewhere to, get, uh, to uh, sort of get himself lost. But the storm came up on uh, that boat, and men didn't know why, and so they tossed, and finally they drew... Uh, Noah confessed, I mean, Jonah confessed that, you know, it's due to him. And so they reluctantly cast him into the sea, and the sea calmed down. And then the big fish came along and, and, and took Jonah. So we see that that present truth, that Jonah went to the Ninevites. And for them, this present truth was that God is going to destroy our city, so said Jonah. And so what did they do? So the people in verse 5, I'm dropping down to Jonah chapter 3 in verse 5. So the people of Nineveh believed God and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh and he rose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes and caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. 
and cry mightily unto God. And who can tell, verse 9, if, if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not. And God saw their works. He saw their repentance. He saw that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. So, if we were one of those Ninevites today, how would we have reacted to this present truth that, would, that was being brought to them by way of God's prophets? Would we repent or perish? Would we go along with the uh, decree to not eat or drink anything in hopes that God would change his mind? In John chapter 1, verse uh, 7, we read about uh, the apostle John. Verse 7, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. And that was, verse 9, that was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and in his own received him not. But as many as received him, he, to them he gave, gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name which were born, not of blood, nor of, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten son. So John was at that present time speaking of Jesus, who, who, was, come, who was to come. And he also, I, in the... In that same, in John 3, we, that same verse, up in verse 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the God, he was with God in the beginning, and through all things were made, through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life. So John was bringing the present truth to them that here was a Savior, that there was a Savior who was there in the beginning who made all things. So we see that Noah's flood is past truth, as is the story of, of Jonah. But to those of the time, it was uh, present truth, and it had to be responded to. Just like truth that is uh, said to us today, that we're not to ignore or reject the truth, because there's a certain understanding to each one of those things, and we, you know, we have to come to understand it, seek it out, know what it is and respond to it. But what are the effects of present truth? John 8, verse 17, it is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself and the Father that sent me bears witness of me. And then they said unto him, where is your father? Jesus answered, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words spoke Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the, the temple and no man laid hands on him for his hour, his time was not yet come. And as he spake these words, many believed on him. And then said the Jews, to those, then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 17, verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, said Jesus in the prayer, because 
They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And I pray not that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So it's the word of truth that sanctifies us, that <clears throat> declares us, makes one holy and free from sin. So this is an ever-present truth for us today and for those yet to be given the truth in the future that is to come. John chapter 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. So this is a definite promise to you and me that there are many mansions. That If, if it were not so, Jesus would have told us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. So this is what Jesus is doing for you, that he is preparing a place, getting it ready for you to occupy in, in the coming kingdom. Let's go into the next uh, scripture, First Thessalonians. The, uh, people can be in a wrong attitude toward truth. First Thessalonians, we read where it says that to let no man deceive you, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sits in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. Remember, do you remember not that when I was with you I told you these things and now you uh, know what was told that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. So these reject the truth. They're willingly blind uh, to the truth. They have no love for the truth. People going their own way, doing their own Thing, following their own philosophies, their own ideas. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God is going to send strong delusion, a lot of ridiculous things that any sane person just wouldn't see as uh, worthwhile to even consider or believe in. But here, they're being sent strong delusion that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Going down to uh, the book of Ephesians. We know that uh, perilous times will come and that uh, evil men shall wax and seducers shall wax worse and worse. But we are to have a right attitude toward truth. It says in Ephesians 4, verse uh, 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, that is, having lost all sensitivity, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. There are some things that you might see in our world today that really does stir you to tears. It stirs you to heartbreak. Now, there is a... Uh, 
a picture of this. Uh, you've probably seen it, but there's a picture of this child who is sitting in a chair. Having come through the ravages of war, his body is just uh, all dusty and bruised. And just like any five-year-old, but he's sitting there alone. And there are some who are saying, we don't want to look at this. It's, it's uh, some kind of propaganda. So a lot of people, some of that sensitivity is being lost because they don't want to see it. But you know, when we see those things, it's those things that make us pray even harder for the kingdom of God to come. Verse 23, drop on down. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put a, putting away, lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. John 4 tells us that we are to worship God wholeheartedly and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in the spirit. I mean, that's wholeheartedness and in truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us that we should handle the truth correctly. And we do that to study. We do that through study, showing ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing, that is, rightly handling uh, correctly the word of truth. Yet we know that we are prone to making mistakes. We are prone to misunderstanding uh, scripture. And to that, if, if something is said that is not pertaining to scripture or pertaining to your understanding, it says that let God be true and every man a liar. So once we know these things, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, says that we are to obey the truth. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. So our hearts, our mind, are purified in obeying the truth. Then you add, we come to that statement where it says, where it was asked, well, what is the truth? What do we do to find, find it? As this line in the movie said, the truth hasn't been very popular lately. But where is the truth? What is the truth? How can we know? We know that there is both truth and falsehood in Christian doctrines. We know that there is both truth and falsehood in science. We know that there is both truth and falsehood in politics. We know that there is both truth and falsehood in history. Someone once said that there are three sides to every story. There's your side, there's my side, and then there's the truth. And the thing about discerning the truth is, is questioning. Searching for the truth, but not in the spirit of arguing. A man was asked, and I don't know if this story is true or not, but I saw this written. This man was asked by another for an explanation of something that he had done or, or and he wanted to know the truth. And he said, I want an explanation and I want the truth. And so this man replied, well, make up your mind. You can't have both. So it's pretty noticeable nowadays that there is an, an explanation that does not really answer 
the questions. There's a legal maxim that says withholding the truth suggests falsehood. And the Bible says that there, where there is confusion, there's every evil work. So we're told to search the scriptures. John 5.39 tells us, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. In Isaiah 28, we see a, a, a principle here. It gives us a principle in this search for truth. Verse 9, whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So in doing so, there is what is called, it's called I read this somewhere, it's called a syllogism, a, for, a form of reasoning in which two statements or are, are premises are made and then a logical conclusion is drawn from them. For example, uh, it gave all, ma all mammals are warm-blooded, and that's the major premise. Then there is the minor premise that the whales are mammals. And then there comes the conclusion that whales are thus warm-blooded. So you have this process, this way of uh, coming to the truth through uh, a proper search. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Those who desire the ever-present truth of salvation. Steve read this earlier from uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Stand firm, verse 14. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's, that's the force field. That can be looked, seen as the force field that Steve was telling us about. And with, the, and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. With which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Then it goes on and talks about the helmet of salvation, the word of God, and praying. Let's go to 2 Peter as the con conclusion. 2 Peter chapter 1 again. Wherefore, the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. Again, this checklist, again, faith, virtue knowledge, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. Verse 11, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. So, that truth, we can see as the coming kingdom of God as Jesus coming as king of kings and lord of lords and the establishment of that kingdom and our part in bringing peace and truth to a world that is very much in need of the truth the ever present truth of God